Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. It's a Monday evening, and that means we review what was an unbelievable sporting weekend. You know, sometimes you say, where do I begin to tell the story now? So I'm like singing you a Frank Sinatra song or something. But I'm not. Um, it really is difficult to decide what was the most important results and uh, stories of the weekend. There was rugby, there was soccer, there was cricket, there was golf. So let's start, shall we, with the cricket, because I guess for those of us who are old enough to remember when sport was played seasonally, it's the middle of summer in the Southern Hemisphere, and that's probably when cricket is played, when it's played all over the world now, at any particular time of the year, but let's start off with what was happening in South Africa. In what has turned out to be a rather interesting and fun-full Betway T20 competition, as well as the under-19 competition that's been going on in Salah. Let's start with the kids, the under-19s, the under-19 men's World Cup uh, last week and Friday, well, last week Friday. Some very interesting results. The Indians beat the Nepal side by 132 runs. South Africa beat Sri Lanka comprehensively again, 113 all out for Sri Lankans after South Africa scored 232 for eight. Must be honest with you, at the 232 for eight mark, I thought, mm, I'm not sure if South Africa and the 19s have got enough runs. Well, they certainly did. Bowling Sri Lankans out for 113 to win by 119 runs. And in the West Indies against Australia, well, unfortunately, a bit of rain there. So the West Indies are 24 for two, chasing Australia's 227 for eight. Um, and that didn't do or go down very well indeed. A bit of inclement weather around South Africa at the weekend. And then the SA20, um, well, that uh, game between the Paul Royals and the Sunrises Eastern Cape have done so well this year, the Sunrises Eastern Cape. 208 for uh, 164 for 7 after 20 overs for the Paul Royals. Sunrises Eastern Cape winning by 40 runs. The uh, other matches, of course, uh, at uh, the weekend, let's go in reverse order, shall we? Because it was a tremendous weekend of cricketing action with the Sunrises Eastern Cape against the Paul Royals. Again, the Sunrises Eastern Cape winning a game that really was a dead rubber. 159 for 7, the Royals chasing 166 to win after the East Sunrises Eastern Cape got 165 for 5. I'm going to mention a little bit more about that game, if I may, because Sidney Timber Bavuma played for the first time. So he hasn't gone to New Zealand because, of course, of contractual obligations to the Sunrisers Eastern Cape. But let's remember that last season, when the first edition of the T20 competition in South Africa was played, at the beginning of the tournament, it was quite a slap in the face because nobody wanted the South African captain, one day uh, captain, or at the time, I think he was called the T20 captain, and it is captain. Nobody wanted him, and it was right at the end of the tournament that they got an opportunity, and he failed dismally. Well, he hasn't played a single game until the uh, match yesterday where he played. I just feel so sorry for the guy. I really, really do, because I don't think it's his own fault that he's been put into the circumstances that he has been put into when he got 33 or 30 balls, which in comparison to how other guys have been playing is really, really slow. But again, like I say, I really feel sorry for him because... How can you expect a guy who's been sitting on the sidelines for months come in and then just do a 19 of 10? Well, that's not going to happen. Um, anyway, so his uh, other 
competitive captain now of the uh, other team, the one-day team, uh, Aiden Markham, and captain Sunrise. He's, great. He's also had a fantastic season, 37 or 27. And then the Bar Royals, unfortunately, for them, won 59 for seven in pursuit of the 166 for victory that came up short. I think the team that's going to be the most unhappy is the MI Cape Town, losing to victory against Victoria Capitals or Saturday. That result, of course, would have given them a spot in the playoffs. Well, they ended up lost. Yeah, that's how quickly things can change. Um, 163 for nine, chasing 167% for six. Victoria Capitals winning by four wickets, 163 for nine. I always thought it was about seven or eight runs short, and how right I most probably was because the Victoria Capitals got there with two balls to spare, 167 for six. The other game, the Joburg Super Kings and the Durban Super Giants. Unbelievable game of cricket that was. And the reason for that was because once they'd known what the result was, the Joburg Super Kings of the game between the Cape Town and Capitals, Victoria Capitals side, they knew they had to go out and win. The German Super Giants have done exceptionally well this season in climbing class in periods four. They got 203 for six in their 20 overs, a massive score, and the Joburg Super Kings got there with a ball to spare, winning by seven wickets, 293. Both for me, would still walk into any side if I was uh, a selector. Well, he was outstanding. It's just two games that they've come good, and those two games have got them into the playoffs which I think uh, not only financially for the Wanderers, uh, although I guess the Wanderers would be sold out anyway, but the fact that the Joburg Super Kings have come from nowhere and they into the next round of the competition and could maybe get their way through. Now, the South African ladies, unfortunately, did not have a good weekend. Uh, they came up against the Australians and were bowled out for a measly 105 in their 50-over game against the Australians, which the Australians then comprehensively won by eight wickets, scoring 162 in less than 20 overs, 19 overs to be precise. So, a tremendous performance by the Australians after. South African women had run them extremely close in, in the T20 internationals. And unfortunately, in the one-day international, they just didn't get themselves going, did the South African women. And a little bit of a, a problem for them as well, by virtue of the fact that uh, their uh, star on the day, Marazan Cup, had to retire hurt after being hit on the elbow. She went 50 and 58. So if you take away her 50, well, South Africa desperately only scored 60 runs in total. So what do we have in store for us now as far as cricket is concerned? Well, lots of it, I'm glad to say, um, because there's a test match, of course, that uh, South Africa are currently involved in. I'll tell you about that now. They play New Zealand. End of the day's play today. South Africa 80 for the loss of four. That's after they won the toss, decided to bowl first, and New Zealand scored a massive 511 all out. And that is thanks to 118 from Kane Williamson and Rachin Ravindra. Well, he looked like a fantastic cricketer during the World Cup. A lot of talk around his ability. 240 he scored. 240. 118 for Kane Williamson. And bizarrely, besides the fact that South Africa's fielding was appalling and they dropped a whole lot of catches, which could have made the score look a little bit better than that. 119 runs taken off Neil Brand off his 26 overs. But six wickets on debut, the captain. Brilliant stuff. We spoke to him on the show before they left. And there always was a 
26 overs, one maiden, six for 119. Ruan de Slot took two for 61. Good bowling figures for him, 29 overs, one for 98 for Dane Patterson. Seppo Morecki, one for 110. And Dwayne Ulefir, naught for 119 or 30 overs. But I guess you can understand in a total of 511 that the bowlers were going to take a bit of a beating. Well, unfortunately, the South African batting didn't do so well today. They closed the day on 80. David Beddingham, who of course has played a test match and uh, is an extremely experienced cricketer, vastly experienced, he will resume tomorrow on 29 not out with Keegan Peterson, who can also play. He's on 2 not out of 16. The uh, batsman out, Edward Moore, was out for 23. Neil Brand only got 4. Bernard von Tonda didn't score. And Zubair Hamza, who's played test cricket as well, he was out for 22. So South Africa, 80 for 4, I guess tomorrow is going to be just a bit of a struggle for the South Africans. I just feel so sorry for them. What I do and I don't. I mean, I'm glad for them. They've got an opportunity to go out there and play and uh, can only do one thing, and that's do their best. Um, And I guess they are in a situation at the moment where uh, if they win, they're going to get some praise. But if they lose, they are going to be completely and absolutely chastised from start to finish. And maybe the blame needs to lay somewhere else, but I'm not going to go into that today. You know my feelings on that one. Then, of course, the uh, other uh, test match that's uh, currently underway, I don't know, England, one day they're blowing hot, the other day they're blowing cold, then they don't know what they're going to do, and who knows. They're hanging on, are they, in the test match against India. India, in their second innings, uh, eventually bowled out for two 255, which in itself was an excellent display by the English because uh, at 211, uh, 211 for five, it looked as though the Indians were going to go on and score something really enormous. Well, they got uh, from 211 for 255 all out. Some good bowling by the English. Jimmy Anderson on a spinner's pitch took the first two wickets. And Tom Hartley took four for 77. And Rihan Ahmed, now this is a very interesting story, this Rihan Ahmed is playing in his first test match, but only his seventh first class match. I just don't know how he even got into the side. And I'm not for one moment saying that he shouldn't be there. Just find it amazing how all of a sudden, out of nowhere, somebody comes along, plays six first class matches, and just decide to stick him into a test side. Four spinners in that side. Anyway. Interesting display by the English hanging on there at the moment against the Indians. Of course, one no up in the series of the uh, English. Now, let's turn our attention, shall we, with to rugby, go through the results of the weekend. It was Six Nations action at the weekend and a couple of very, very good games. And we will go through them in much more detail tomorrow evening with Andy Capistano. So I'm just going to go through the results for you. No need for me to actually unpack the games because we will unpack them with Andy tomorrow evening. The Welsh and the Scots gave us an absolute thriller. Scotland 27, Wales 26. Scotland winning for the first time in Wales for 22 years. England also got a bit of a surprise. At one stage, they looked like they might lose the game against Italy, but eventually they came out victorious by 27 points to 24. And then the big game of the weekend was on Friday evening, the one that I think all the Irish and the French wanted to see at the final of the Rugby World Cup. Ah, sorry for you, South Africa won that one. But the Irish were far too good for the French. 38 points to 17 was the victory there. So well done to the um, the Irish. 
certainly look like the team to beat in terms of the competition this year in the Six Nations after the weekend. But as I say, don't forget to join us as we chat to Andy Capistano tomorrow evening, unpacking Six Nations rugby. South African Dylan Fratelli overcame an early start and he won the Bahrain Championship yesterday with three birdies on the back line to see off his challenge to the Royal Golf Club. Nick Carter, the 171 to finish 13 under par overall, two shots ahead of the Sunday, long bar, he's compatriot also in South Africa. And Jesper Svensson to win his third DP World Tour title and a mere 420,000 euro. His last European Tour win came in 2017 before he moved to the PGA Tour. The 33-year-old was delighted to mark his return to the DP Tour with a victory. Fantastic stuff for Dylan Fratelli. And again, great to see the South Africans at the top of the leaderboard. And as far as the uh, Pebble Beach, Pro-Am uh, was short to 54 holes due to the weather. And Wyndham Clark came out victorious there. He won the AT&T Pebble after it was shortened to 54 holes because of the weather in North Carolina. The final round was postponed on Sunday and safety concerns on the course. 18 holes today were changed last night due to more poor weather on the way. So the uh, decision by the PGA Tour Rules Committee made Clark the winner with a 17 under bar 199 through three rounds. It's the 30-year-old's third career PGA Tour victory. Well done to Wyndham Clark. It always seems to be like his name is the wrong. Should be Clark Wyndham, but it's not Wyndham Clark winner there. Okay, let's get on to the football. Yes, I am eating humble pie. I admit it. I didn't give them a hope. I was convinced that after three games, they'd all be home eating their pup and boss. For those people around the world, that's a staple food in South Africa, pup and boss. Bafana, Bafana. Yep. The South African football team, nicknamed Bafana Bafana, sometimes by myself and others, Bafuna Bafuna, or Bantana Bantana, which uh, translated loosely means babies, the babies, the babies, because Bafana Bafana means the boys, the boys. Well, can you believe they're in the semi-finals of the African Cup of Nations? And it wasn't for Ronald Williams, their goalkeeper and captain, who was magnificent in the match over the weekend. A quarter-final clash. They won on a penalty shootout. Not only did he save four penalties in the penalty shootout, but his performance in the game itself in particular, the save that he made just before full-time of normal time, he got his fingertips to the ball, just tipped his fingers, touched the ball so slightly, enough to just put it off path, hit the crossbar, came back off the crossbar, South Africa went into extra time period and then won on a penalty shootout. First time ever a goalkeeper scored, saved four penalties in a row in an African Cup of Nations shootout and a, a dramatic 2-1 penalty shootout victory. And they are through to the semi-finals of South Africa. And in those semi-finals, they come up against a nemesis team, a team that has been a bogey side for South Africa for years and years. And in fact, not only have they been South Africa's bogey side, they've also been that side that seems to have always beaten us events 
that we could have, should have, and might have either won, qualified in, etc., etc. Of course, I'm talking about the Super Eagles, who maybe are not so super anymore. They play Nigeria, do South Africa on Wednesday evening, that game at 7 o'clock. And then the other semi-final sees the Ivory Coast play the Democratic Republic of Congo. What a story this Ivory Coast uh, path to the semis is, because after the round robin matches in the log league positions, they came third in their group, fired their coach, home team of course, um, and then found themselves as one of those like lucky losers, got through to the last 16, won that, got to the last eight, won that. Now they're in the semi-finals in their own country. Unbelievable. So what does it tell us? It tells us that uh, Wednesday evening, Nigeria plays South Africa and then the Ivory Coast, the home side, where the Democratic Republic of Congo. And then on Saturday, that horrible, I don't want to kiss my sister kind of game where third place plays fourth. We'll find out who comes third and fourth. Nobody ever remembers whoever they are. And if you saw the size of the crowd in the South Africa Mali game, wonder to yourself why they bother playing with spectators. There shouldn't be anybody in for free. There was absolutely nobody there. The Ivory Coast game, on the other hand, was absolute chocolate rock bull, as will be the Cote d'Ivoire DRC game. Big, big clash between those two countries, both French-speaking, and then, of course, Nigeria, South Africa, I suppose, the security guards. There'll be more Nigerian fans there for sure that Mama Africa received get to every single event at our taxpayers' money case uh, will be there in the crowd. I wonder what she knows. Okay, let's go to the semi-finals then. Uh, semi-final loser one, play semi-final loser two on Saturday, and then 10 o'clock on Sunday evening, the big one, the African Cup Nations final, which we will preview for you when we chat to you on Friday. Time seems to be running away with us a bit this evening, but I'm not going to let it slip because there were some interesting results at the weekend in uh, the English Premier League. And you know how much I love the Premier League and you know how much we've been struggling at the moment. But, you know, as a Manchester United fan, when Manchester United are struggling, the first thing that we do is we try and deflect our attention away from Manchester United. We focus on what Liverpool, which I guess most of us do if we are Manchester United. And last night, well, you don't get much of a better weekend when Manchester United beat West Ham by three goals to nil quite comprehensively. And then a little bit later on in the evening, Arsenal thumped Liverpool 3 1. Wow, that's really turned the table upside down, hasn't it? We'll look at the table in a moment. Results for you Arsenal 3, Liverpool 1, Bournemouth 1, Nottingham Forest 1. And Forest will be delighted to point away from home. Manchester United 3 0 victors over the West Ham. Oh, shame. Poor Chelsea, they got hammered in earlier in the week by Liverpool and a campaign back to once at the bridge at Stamford Bridge, the ground of Chelsea they got thumped by four goals to two on Saturday, Sheffield United and Aston Villa watch out for Villa remember Leicester City, who are now of course top of the of the championship that's the, the division below the Premier League and 11 points clear there and just flying, remember when they were 5,000 to one and they won the Premier League Remember these words, and I know Nick, my producer, records every single one of our programs, and maybe he might play this little snippet come the end of the season. Is it possible? Is it at all possible that Aston Villa might win the Premier League? Well, they performed quite brilliantly away from home. I know it's only Sheffield United, but you still have to score the goals. Five nil victors there. What a thriller. Eight goals shared between Newcastle and Luton Town. Luton Town all of a sudden, they got a win a couple of weeks ago, and they've just done so well. 
to get a four-all draw at Newcastle. Incredible stuff. And isn't it amazing how every single season there's a game that Newcastle United play where they either split seven goals, eight goals, sometimes even five-four or four-all in absolute thriller. Burnley also scored uh, two goals in the second half after being 2-0 down against Fulham to draw two all. Brighton gave Crystal Palace a hiding. Crystal Palace fans not happy with what's going on. 4-1 Brighton victors and then poor Everton. Well, not poor Everton. I guess they came back and scored in the dying seconds of that game to salvage a point against Spurs. That ended 2 all. Now, of course, this comes off the back of matches during midweek where Manchester United beat Wolves 4-3. West Ham and Bournemouth drew one all. Liverpool beat Chelsea 4-1. Spurs beat Brentford 3-2. Manchester City beat Burnley 3-1. And Aston Villa lost to Newcastle 3-1, but bounced back with that 5-0 victory. So what is the top of the table look like at the moment? Well, Liverpool's still top of the table, uh, but their lead has been cut back by Arsenal to just two points now. Uh, Liverpool 51 points and Arsenal 49. In fact, we actually haven't spoken since Jurgen Klopp decided that he was going to leave Liverpool at the end of the season. I think we did speak briefly about it last week, but clearly um, it has had an effect on them, wouldn't you say? Well, if you look at last night, so definitely it's had an effect on them. So they're playing 43 matches, they have 51 points, which now means that if Manchester City, who are in third place and win their two outstanding games, they will be level on points with Liverpool at the top of the table. Don't count Manchester City out. Don't count Aston Villa out. Five points behind on 46 points. They along with Manchester City. 46, Arsenal 49 points. Just two points behind Liverpool. With Spurs now languishing down in fifth place with 44 points. Manchester United up into the top six with 38 points, West Ham 36, and Brighton 35. The bottom of the table, unfortunately, does not look so good, particularly for Sheffield United, Burnley, and Everton, who are back down into the bottom three. Remember, they were docked 10 points where uh, Everton, that's still going to go to court, I'm sure something's going to happen there. And the other thing is that they are a point behind Luton. Luton on a roll at the moment, and have game in hand, and all of a sudden, Nottingham Forest being sucked down into the bottom. They're in 16th place at the moment with 21 points. The bottom of the table, and looks doomed for all love and money, is Sheffield United, 10 points from their 23 games. Burnley, 13 points from their 23 games. F19 points from their 23 games. But it's that 18th place that at the moment is uh, one where Brentford, Forest, Luton, Everton could all be sucked in very easily indeed. And the way Crystal Palace are going at the moment is they have 24 points. So they are five points ahead of that relegation zone. But you can so easily lose to somebody else, wins to, and who knows what goes on from there. So that is the Premier League. That is what the top and bottom of the table looks like Liverpool still top, but their lead cut down after Arsenal's victory last night. One game this evening at Brentford at home to Manchester City. That is one of the catch-up games that Manchester City will have to get through to get closer to Liverpool at the top of the table. And then Saturday the 10th sees Manchester City play Everton in the first game of the afternoon. Early kickoff on Saturday, then Luton play Sheffield United, Liverpool play Fulham, play Bournemouth, Wolves play Brentford, Spurs play Brighton, and Nottingham Forest will host Newcastle at home. Sunday sees West Ham versus Arsenal Derby, and then a massive clash for Aston Villa at home at Villa Park. 
to Manchester United and then on Monday next week it is Crystal Palace hosting Chelsea in another London derby. That is tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Just look back at a sport weekend. Don't forget to join us tomorrow evening. We'll be talking to Andy Capistano all about Six Nations Rugby Competition. That's it for tonight. It's always been nice to each other. Until next time, bye for now.